0: Welcome to the Unteachables podcast. I'm your host, Claire, and I'm absolutely no stranger to the challenges and let's face it, sometimes carnage of being a teacher. And if you found yourself, here listening with me, I'd say that you might know a bit about that as well, because being a teacher is freaking hard. And this podcast is dedicated to making you feel a hell of a lot less alone whilst giving you the knowledge, support and strategies that you need to not just survive the chaos of being a teacher, but truly thrive. Think about it as getting a weekly dose of relatable, actionable, and most importantly, enjoyable professional learning straight into your ears. So hit the subscribe button, download me for your commute, and let's get into it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another week of the Unteachables podcast. I'm back. I didn't record an episode last week, and the reason being is I was sick as a dog. It's been so rough over here in the Unteachables Claire World, um, I ran my course last Sunday, and because I was already feeling sick, I completely and utterly lost my voice. I couldn't talk. My baby's been really sick. I had to take her to hospital yesterday to um, just get checked over because of her. Like she's so congested, and it's just so scary when they're so little and um, they're really sick. So we've all been in the wars recently, and yeah, I physically could as much as I wanted to, I physically could not record that podcast episode because I had zero voice and you'll still hear as I go through, I might have to stop and, um, and catch my breath a little bit because it's still a bit rough. But anyway, you don't need to know about that. I guess I just want to justify the fact that I didn't record an episode last week and I really, really upsets me because I really want to be consistent in this space and I want you to make, like, I want to make sure that you know that every Tuesday an episode is going to be coming out. So my promise to you is um, I'm always going to be consistent with the podcast unless something like that happens and it's like an extenuating circumstance. Okay, so this episode I'm going to be talking all things expectations, but more importantly it's not just about expectations and setting them. It's about how these expectations are something that we can embody, something that matters, something that we do through our practice and something that really sticks because what ends up happening is we set them at the start of the year, whatever way we approach them, and we hope that students will follow them and just understand what's going on, but they often just get forgotten in the abyss of their minds. So this episode is not just like how to make The expectation, how to make expectations that students actually buy into and listen to, but actually how to make them stick throughout the year, which is obviously what we're wanting. We're not just wanting to have one single lesson at the start of the year where we set this list of rules or expectations and then we just expect everybody to get on board with it. So you start the school year, right? You've got a grand list of rules. Okay, everyone, here's a deal no talking when others are talking, no running in the classroom, no whatever but these don't work because they don't inspire our students to do the right thing. They're not something they're going to remember. They're not something that has any buy-in. And, you know, we check that box. We think it's all done. We've got it all figured out, but our students aren't mind readers. Even if we're really explicit about the expectations we have, the behaviors are still going to be there. Um, We're not teaching them how to live up to those expectations. We're not teaching them what that means. So they need to be more than just a laundry list of thou shalt nots. Uh, It's like speaking a different language to them sometimes. So naturally, Everyone just ends up really frustrated and confused as we're trying to navigate all of these things in the classroom. Students need to know what the expectations are and where the boundaries are, but that doesn't mean just setting an expectation and expecting them to follow it because we're not teaching them how to do that. So when we think of set, setting expectations or setting rules which one matters? I think that rules are so black and white. Rules are very prescriptive. When we're setting, expect- setting expectations, we're thinking about doing things that um, highlight the behaviors that we want to see. You know, they're really clearly communicating the values that we have for our students. And that's where we get the buy in because they make sense to them and they, you know, there's something that they want to follow and and it's fair and it's equitable. So instead of saying something like don't talk when other people are talking, it's like saying, hey, when someone's speaking in this classroom, we respect them. Let's create a classroom here where we're all valued, where we're all heard. And that's such a breath breath of fresh air for some of our students that are so used to starting the year with all of these really punitive rules that they can't do. Um, they're so black and white. They can position us as a bad cop ready to enforce this law. And expectations they are all about collaboration and connection it's an opportunity for us to build this positive culture in our classroom and a culture where students feel connected and empowered and you know they feel okay to make mistakes and learn from them plus when we get buy into these expectations that's where the magic happens they're more likely to meet them they're more likely to reduce those low-level and frustrating behaviors because rules are a one size fits all. They're like a little uncomfortable, scritchy, scratchy, not your style jumper. They don't take into account the unique needs of each student. Uh, They don't take into account the root causes of the behaviour. It's like putting a square peg in a round hole and it never really ends well. On the other hand, when we focus on expectations rather than rules, they're like a personalised wardrobe for each student. They consider the nuances of behaviour. They introduce a flexible and equitable approach that we can work with. And again, it's not about the expectations or the rules themselves and setting those, it's about all of the things we do with them. Not every single student's the same at all. Obviously, you know that. But it's about really how to account for that and have an approach that works for these students. So today I'm going to be going over a bit of a step-by-step on how to set expectations that are more effective and more meaningful, but the real crux of this episode is in us knowing that even though expectations are better to set and doing it in this way is more powerful than setting rules, it's more than just about those expectations themselves. This is just a starting point. Setting expectations and that lesson at the start of the year or resetting them in the middle of the year is just a starting point for the actual work that needs to be done around it in order for us to have a classroom culture where students know what the expectations are, and they're ready to follow them. Um, so, let's talk about a bit of a magic formula for setting expectations. Again, it's not a one and done deal. Um, I don't want you to breeze through it at the start of the year like it's a chore. I think it deserves its own spotlight. It deserves a dedicated lesson where you can really deep dive into the concept of expectations and help your students to understand the why behind them and have a bit of fun while you're at it. Use it as an opportunity to talk to your students. Uh, I always say that if we expect students to do anything at all, we have have to teach them and that goes for expectation setting as well because if we're going into a lesson we're setting expectations with our students do the students know what expectations are do your students know why we need expectations where do they see expectations in other parts of their lives what are boundaries that they have in their lives and why so when we're thinking about it in that way and making sure they understand on like a deep personal level what expectations are from the get-go you're going to have more buy-in it's very easy for students to walk into that first lesson and go, oh, we're going to be setting rules. That teacher is going to be telling me what I can't do. That teacher is going to be telling me what I can do. But when we really connect them with this idea of expectations and boundaries, that's why it's really, really powerful for us to be able to do this a bit differently. Um, get your students involved in it, create an environment where everyone's voice is heard and respected. You might have to teach them a thing or two about effective collaboration, because again, it's about making sure they know how to do the things we're asking them to do, but it is so worth it. They're the ones that are kind of living in this classroom space, in a sense, you know, where whatever it's, you know, whether it's the whole week in a primary setting or just a couple of hours in a secondary setting but they really need to have a say in how it's run or a perceived say in kind of what the expectations are. Um, You can do anything that works for you to get that collaboration and buy-in for your class. But I like to make sure they can contribute by like handing out little post-it notes, little slips of paper so students can all contribute and then, you know, make it visual and do some votes and all of those things to make sure that students understand how they can contribute to these, making it very, very clear that every single student has a voice. You can do like a little vote box. So as you're going through expectations and the lesson around it, um, having that system where students can write on post-it notes, put it anonymously in a box and you can pop them up on the board or go through them one by one. So making sure that we're collaborating with our students. Students really know what the expectations are before we even go into it. And then they have a system to actually contribute to the expectation setting in the room. These two things are crucial before we actually do anything with them. So when we actually do set the expectations, start by discussing the expectations that they have of you. This is like a huge trust building exercise. It shows them that you're human too. It shows them that we're all in this together. It shows them that we're all just human beings that have flaws and we're imperfect and we're all going to make mistakes and we all need expectations and boundaries that we can live up to in that professional space. And don't forget to model as well what it looks like when you fall short of those expectations. Like we all make mistakes and it's how we handle them that count. So, you know, go into your classroom one day and say, oh my goodness, everyone, obviously the expectation is that I'm here on time. I've got the starter activity up on the board. Everything's, you know, bang, 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 ready to go for you. But I'm really, I'm really sorry. I didn't meet that expectation today because I was at the photocopier and I was running a little bit late or whatever it is, making sure that when you do set these expectations, I'm going to go through how to do this in a second. We model as well, how we're not meeting those. So you can do this by step one, students can discuss what they expect of you. So you might have a discussion with them. They might say, oh, you know, miss, I expect you to teach us. That might be a really simple one that they say. Oh, excellent, Veronica. Like, yes, of course, I'm expected to teach you. What else am I expected to do? Someone else, oh, you're expected to come and you know, show up to class on time. Wonderful. You know, you can write that up on the board or these might be poster notes they're contributing and you can read them out and pop them on the board. Um, another expectation of yourself that they might have, you know, prepare lessons for us, come to class prepared. Excellent. So through this process, you're developing this language with them where you're open, you're vulnerable, you're making sure that they know that you are somebody that has expectations of yourself as well. Because when we Take when we do that, we're taking away that power imbalance with our students. We're showing them that we're in it together. Um, There's nothing worse than somebody dictating something to us when they're hypocrites and they're not doing it themselves. And our students might perceive this to be the case if we're just this adult barking orders down at them. So doing this really sets the tone, even if it's not the case, by the way, I'm not saying that you're doing that, but in the student's eyes, this is a really amazing way to get that really good buy-in because they're seeing you as somebody that is with them, is is vulnerable with them, is willing to go that extra mile to, um, you know, be a team in this stuff. Like it's not, you must do this. It's what can we do to get through this together and do the best job that we can. So once you've got all those expectations for yourself up there, agree on them, go through them, decide which ones matter to you and to the class. So have a discussion around them. You might have 20 up on the board. You might vote on which ones are most important and then make a copy of that that's like solid that can go up on the wall somewhere. You know, who thinks that um, this expectation here is fair and is really important for me to meet up? like meet, during the, during the school week. Yes, me. Okay. Wonderful. That's like 10 votes for the fact that I need to be here on time. So go through them and discuss them, decide which ones matter. And when they do matter, you can put a tick next to them and then you can write them up whatever way you do it. It's just important to have, even if you would have gotten to the same, um, the same few expectations anyway, the process of that collaboration is firing their brains up and they're, they're thinking how amazing it is to be involved in this process once that's done once they've had all of those expectations that have been said suggest anything that they've missed so even expectation is that a- You're on time, make sure the students are saying that because then this models it for them as well. So, and it models it for when you set their expectations with them. So, um, you might have a bunch of expectations up on the board and go, I'm missing something, everybody. I'm missing the fact that I need to be on time. Don't you reckon that's important? And then they might go, Yeah, yeah, of course that's important. So, it models us having accountability for what we need to do as well. And as I said before, Keep modeling those. If you're not meeting an expectation, call yourself out on it. And it will develop a culture where everyone takes accountability, where everyone can be vulnerable, where everyone can be open. And once you've done that, once you've set the expectations for yourself as a teacher, you can follow that exact process for your students as well. And, you know, so you go to your students, everyone. What is the expectation that you have of yourself and I have of you in this room? Again, they can write it on their post note. They can pop their hand up. They can tell you. They can put it in the suggestion box, whatever way you do it to get that collaboration from students. Go through each of those. Agree on them. Do you think that's important for yourself that you get your work done? amazing do you think it's important that we're respecting others when when they're talking do you think it's important that um, we're just doing our best here and if we feel like we can't do that then talking to me or somebody else that you trust to make sure that we can get back on track with that yes amazing do you think it's important that if we cause harm we discuss this and we work through it yes amazing so you're going up and you're talking about all of these things together it's not a process where you're dictating anything to them it's just one big class discussion and this again is just all awesome. All about buy-in, it's all about being equitable, it's all about being fair and then setting this culture where you can use these as a tool for the, you know, the whole year really which brings me on to a huge point. It's not a one and done thing. Going through this process is not enough. You can have the most amazing lesson in the entire world setting expectations, but if you're not modeling this through your classroom management strategy and how you approach your consequences, then you might as well not have done it in the first place because as I said, no matter how important it was, no matter how amazing it was, no matter how collaborative it felt, it'll just get lost in the ether every single time. You can't create them and forget about them. These babies need to be front and center in your classroom. Put them up on your walls. Talk about them. Refer to them in those deep, meaningful discussions. Refer to them when you're talking about behavior. They should be as present as that first cup of coffee you have in the morning. And you're not just the teacher. You are the living, breathing embodiment of these expectations. Every move you make, every step you take, cue the soundtrack, should reinforce those values. So an example of how... We might do this. I'm gonna talk about a really big mistake that we can make as teachers, and it's a very common mistake that we make as teachers. Imagine that you're standing up the front of your class and you're waiting for silence, and it is such a stressful situation waiting for silence. It's incredibly triggering sometimes because you're standing up there, you're standing up there, you're standing up there you're calling for attention, you're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting. You might say something like, it's my time, it's your time, you're wasting, not my time. You know, it's like this really big daunting thing, having to wait for all of those spot fires to calm down. So what ends up happening, and I've witnessed this in so many lessons that I've observed, um, is you, you nearly get there. Like you're in front of the class, you've spent 10 minutes trying to get attention from your students you're trying to reinforce the expectation that in this lesson every single one of us deserves to be heard and valued so you know when somebody's talking we're not talking over the top of them so you're trying to embed that expectation but then what often happens is because we psych ourselves out waiting for attention and then we're nearly there so we just say okay I'm going to jump in here while things are really quiet and I'm going to get started with this lesson but then what happens is those two students out of the 30 that were still talking, the message that you're sending to them and the rest of the class is immediately, that's not my expectation anymore. It doesn't matter. I don't need the whole class's attention. I don't need those two students to be listening. It is so stressful having to wait for attention and it's very easy to do this, but waiting those extra one or two minutes just to make sure that every single student knows that that is your expectation, that is the power in the expectations. Um, That's a very... Like, you know, simple example of how we are embodying our expectations and how every single thing we do with behavior management is actually communicating what we do expect from them and reinforcing that and maintaining our boundaries with them. Another example might be where we're, you know, setting an uh, independent task, we're expecting students to be working on that quietly. And again, it's something that I see all of the time in um, observing different lessons and different teachers is that what we do is we set the independent task and everyone's expected to be working quietly on that task. But then when they are working quietly on the task, they might have a hand up and we might loudly address that student. We might loudly address somebody around the room we might not be using our private voice and because of that we're again not setting the expectation of silence in that time of quiet focused work because if we're talking if we're moving around the room quickly if we're doing all of that stuff that we're expecting our students not to do during that task at that time then the expectation is not there for it we're not modeling that for them so a big thing is always modeling those expectations in everything that we do. But of course, it is so nuanced and there are so many things that I could talk about when it comes to expectations and being a living, breathing embodiment of these. For example, the biggest way that we communicate our expectations is in those conversations, those discussions that we have to have with students after the storm of behavior has passed, after we've addressed it in the moment, but we really need to go and resolve that. And that is a really hard process to to go down the route of. Like it, you know, having to get accountability from students, needing to get them on board without behavior management approach, getting them to buy into that and buy into the consequences that we're setting for them. So if you're listening to this in real time, the doors are open yet again. I'm sure that you heard it if, if you are listening in real time, I'm sure you heard it in the intro, that the doors are open once again for my best masterclass, Real Consequences, Real Change. I only run this once a year. In this masterclass, I take you through an explicit roadmap on how to approach and resolve challenging behaviors through this dialogue and real consequences, leading to real and authentic change with your students. This is how we live and breathe these expectations in a day-to-day way in our classroom, and how we approach challenging behaviors is constantly, consistently reinforcing our values. So despite of the fear of tooting my horn, I feel like still in this space, I'm like, oh, I don't really want to say too much. Um, but in fear of that, Whatever, I'm just going to read out what a few teachers said after the last masterclass. It was a sellout last year. Um, I had so many incredible five-star reviews and I'm just going to read out a couple of things that were said. So Lisa said that it was the best hour of professional development that she had in 32 years of being an educator. Catherine said that it was a real gem and she can't express in words how brilliant this is. Not only does Claire talk you through the strategies in her power hour but the resources that she has provided allow you to go deeper and really get to grips of this in your practice. I already feel like this is going to make a huge difference in my classroom, allowing students to grow and learn, not just in my subject, but about themselves as well. And I might just do one more. Melanie said, for an hour-long session, I can't believe how many practical ideas this masterclass provided. It was generous with ideas and absolutely flew by. Quick, accessible, practical, and brilliant. And that's exactly what I want my masterclasses to be. I don't want them to be these big slogs. I want them to be something that's engaging, quick, to the point, highly practical, highly actionable, gives you the exact tools you need. I've got like a whole resource pack that you get with the masterclass. It's a power hour. Um, You also get a whole resource bank to support students to implement all of these strategies, for you to implement these strategies and to hardwire the discussions that you need to have. Um, Everything that you need to hardwire this into your practice is there for you. And I think the reviews are a testament to that because those are just three of dozens and dozens and dozens that I got for the course. And I was just so proud of what I've created. And um, this is everything that kind of embodies the values that I have around supporting educators. So on that note, the end of another episode is here. I've gotten through it and my voice doesn't sound too bad. I think I'm in the clear now with my sickness. But what I would say is just going into the week ahead, be very conscious about what you're modeling to your students, just get really curious and think to yourself right now in this moment, what am I expecting of them? And how am I being a living, breathing embodiment of that? Am I modeling that for them? Am I expecting that back through the way that I'm acting and the way that I'm responding to them? And just by getting really curious about that. So for example, like how am I standing? How am I talking? Um, You know, am I on time to class? Am I Running in with a coffee late because when we do that, that's a clear sign to them that they're not expected to be there on time. Um, Do I look like I'm ill prepared or am I looking like I'm prepared? All of these things are modelling back to them what the expectations are and they're all very crucial. And then how am I using the expectations that I've set with my students at the start of the year? I know some of you are going into a new academic year next year. You're already kind of finishing up for the summer, which is like a perfect time for us to be reflecting on this because have a think, did I set expectations at the start of the year? How long do they last for? Do they last for two seconds? Or am I still talking about them and using them as a tool today? Because if you're not using them as a tool today, then next year you can come along to the masterclass. You can implement those strategies and have such a strong start. So on that note, have a lovely week ahead and I will speak to you next time.